You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you very much, Mr. Maniscalco. We are back in action, back on our normal platform here. I guess you're listening either on Spotify or Apple Music. Welcome back to another episode. My name is Brandon. That's my trusty co-host, Matthew Soma. Thank you so much for everybody that watched our YouTube video last week. If you haven't checked it out, you should. Uh, We ranked the Hurricanes top 10 prospects. But again, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming this week. By the time you're hearing this, is probably going to be... Saturday, I'm guessing, uh, and it's going to be Penguins game day, really big game. Uh, but we are recording as we just wrapped up the game between the Hurricanes and the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Hurricanes finally ended their long, arduous four-game losing streak. Really solid effort. Uh, 62 went over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Five goals tying the franchise record. Two from Brett Pesci, one from Jacob Slavin, one from Brent Burns, one beauty from Jalen Chatfield. And the last goal there at the end from Seth Jarvis, which is something I actually want to talk about here in a little bit, but we'll get to that shortly. There was some negative news to um, Max Pacioretty. I, honestly, I think it was just precautionary. I think they're going to handle him with kid gloves because a game in January against the Columbus Blue Jackets really doesn't matter. As we saw tonight, they scored six goals pretty much without him. He left in the first period with seven minutes to play. But um, definitely something to monitor over the coming days. Hopefully it is just something precautionary where they're just not going to take any risks with him. And hopefully, hey, maybe we'll see him back on Saturday, today when you're listening to this probably. Or maybe not. And uh, hopefully it's something in the short term. It does seem like he was kind of sitting on the bench just hanging out there when it happened. Um, So hopefully that's a good sign that, you know, maybe he didn't want to come out. He thought he would be okay. And the Hurricanes just said, no, we're going to, you know, keep you out for the rest of this game they did announce when they made the announcement he wouldn't return that um it was not related to his achilles injury which is obviously really good news so again hopefully it's a short-term thing for max patcheretti and he'll be back on the with the team in no time we haven't really talked since he's been back actually so we should probably start there honestly um three goals in his first three games with the team obviously he scored twice in the loss to columbus no wins though unless you want to count tonight which you know (laughs) <laughs> how much that means is up for you to decide considering the team won 11 games in a row, basically without their best player in Sebastian Ajo. But um, it is just kind of a funny little stat that the team hit a little bit of a snag and it was through no fault of Pacioretty. But um, what were your initial thoughts of Max Pacioretty, buddy? Yeah, he was a perfect fit for this team. I mean, you know, for years we've talked about how the Hurricanes need a goal scorer. And, you know, we wanted Svetch to be that guy. And I think he can be, but he's more of that power forward type. And 
I don't think he had any points tonight, but he played really well. He was really good tonight, yeah. And just played that powerful game that we need him to play. Um, another thing that Pacioretty just does is he, he just finds open areas of ice really well. He's constantly open, looking for an opportunity to shoot, but he's not just a sniper, right? He can make plays. He's actually pretty fiery. I think it was in the uh, Nashville game, I want to say, where, you know, he's getting in the faces of players. You know, he's shoved off Ryan McDonough, who's like one of the right. strongest in the league, just big leaguing guys. That was his he's second really trying game to make an impact. And first or second game back from our freaking torn Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And the power play is looking good with him, too. I think, you know, people are still concerned about the Canes power play, and I don't really see it. I mean, they, they scored twice uh, against, um, God, what was the team? Columbus. I believe they had one or two even on that losing streak. And then obviously, you know, shorthanded, the team's been doing really well lately, too. We've got three <laughs> shorthanded goals in the past two games now. Um, I think Pacioretty's a just great addition to this team. Um, hopefully he, he won't be out for much longer. They may hold him out this weekend. It wouldn't surprise me um, because, you know, as much as you want to have him staying in the lineup, right. Um, you don't want to risk re-aggravating that injury or him re-injuring his Achilles. So they may give him the weekend off. Um, they may call up Jack Drury, Jamison Reese, Hell, the silly Panamarov even. Uh, it's Jimmy probably dreary knowing knowing what we're at, where we're at. But you know, yeah. Um, and actually, just to kind of go off something you said real quick, uh, I was actually talking to a friend of the podcast Andrew Schnicker the other day on Twitter. Um, and he had mentioned it was kind of funny how Pacioretty, all three of his goals came on, and they weren't like beautiful snipes; they were all kind of greasy goals. And that was my first thought. It's like. You don't become a 40 goal scorer in the NHL just because you have some elite shot and can beat goalies from distance. Patrick does have that. Don't get me wrong. And that's a reason, part of the reason, but he knows where to be. And there's something to that for pure goal scorers in the NHL. Alexander Ovechkin doesn't score every single goal from the top of the circle, despite the fact that it may seem that way. He knows how to get in position to use his shot. He knows how to use his body to get in position to gain leverage on defenders and then he finishes when he gets the opportunities. He's opportunistic, and that's what Max Pacioretty is, and it's going to be a huge, huge boon for the Hurricanes down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs. I just That's all that really matters, right? All that really matters is that come April and beyond, Max Pacioretty is healthy and is fit and like, you know, settled into his role with this team. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think you know the, the Hurricanes are a good spot for him because they're giving him that ability. You know, when Pacioretty was with Jarvis and Ajo, that was the best the Jarvis and Ajo line, that, or that was the best that Jarvis and Ajo had looked in a while. Um, you know, and it spreads the scoring out a little bit because, you know, Tara Vinen is now playing, you know, a lower role than he, you know, probably should be. I think he's he's been better lately, but still not at the level we expect him to be at. Um, he was really good defensively tonight, and he made a couple of nice passes. He he tonight was one of his better games of the year, so it's definitely a positive sign. And I think you know, Tavo's a really good hockey player, but a lot of his success is contingent on Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> so, you know, that's something to consider. 
I think Jesperi Kokiniemi is playing really well too. Um, Has been for a while now. Yeah, he he's, and you know Montreal fans are are going to you know look at him and be like, oh well, look who he's playing with. Dude had a secondary assist tonight, but was also looking really good otherwise. Um, he's big. He's using his body to create space. He He's realizing now that in order to stick in the NHL lineup and not just play, but to play and continue to get more ice time, he's got to play a heavier game. And he, he is. And it's resulting in points. And I mean, you know, Natchez had a beautiful assist on that shorthanded goal, but Kokaniemi also had a hell of a shot. You know, and that's that's something that, you know, we need to start seeing from Kokaniemi. He hasn't gotten to the back of the net enough this year, but he's starting to produce offensively, and that's going to be huge for the Hurricanes. Um, and, and one more guy that I did say I wanted to get into real quick. I mentioned Seth Jarvis, he, you know, and this is what I tweeted when it happened. It's like in the grand scheme of tonight, it's really meaningless, right? It's the goal that made it 6-2 to two with a couple of minutes left in the third period. So, hooray. But at the same time, just for Seth Jarvis, who he's I think he's played pretty well for the most part the last couple of weeks. But the production definitely has been hasn't been there. You could see the relief on his face just seeing the puck go in off of his stick when that goal went in. I think that could be a sneaky big occurrence for the Hurricanes moving forward, because if they can start to get some production, you know, actual tangible production from Jarvis and not just solid play, that's going to go a long way towards the depth that has been a big part of this team all year long, but it's kind of dried up lately. It's one of the things I'll, I'll probably segue to next, but I think Jarvis is playing really well. I really, really hope that's a harbinger of things to come because a, a productive Seth Jarvis, he's only on pace for 12 goals. You know, that's kind of surprising. Um, or he was entering tonight. I guess that was number seven, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess technically he's a little above that pace now, but you'd expect him to be, you know, if you'd asked me before the season, a 20 to 25 goal scorer. So that still could be in the cards. He could have a big second half of the season. He's totally capable. We saw how he played down the stretch last year and into the playoffs. So hopefully tonight was the start of a big second half for Seth Jarvis. Yeah, I, I think that Jarvis definitely has the potential to have a bigger um, impact moving forward. And like I like I hinted at, you know, if Pacioretty's healthy and he's playing with Ajo and Jarvis, that line's only going to be better, right? That line's going to they're going to make things happen for sure. Yeah. Um, Quick stat, you know, about Kokaniemi. Corey Lavalette has had a lot of moments where we're on this podcast and they'll tweet something relevant as we're talking about it. So here's another <laughs> friend one. Friend of the podcast. I know, friend of the pod. Kokaniemi has eight points in his last 11 games. That's a really big deal because he has not played well offensively this year. Like a 55, uh, right 60 point pace, man. Yeah, right now he's on, he's on pace for uh, 28 points and uh, 81 games but um, I think that total is going to skyrocket because I think he's playing in my opinion some of his best hockey as a hurricane okay so I, I do at least feel like we should touch on this recent slide because again we didn't meet for like two weeks basically um, so I think the last time we met the hurricanes were still kind of on fire you know for an actual podcast um on that 11 game winning streak. And then afterwards is when they fell off. So there's a couple of things that obviously are a little bit concerning and to varying degrees. Um, one of them I think was obviously the goaltending. 
Um, the Hurricanes really, really did not get a save during that four-game stretch. And you could argue that three of those games they lost mostly because of their goaltending. Um, so that's that's one thing. And, and Frederick Anderson, we haven't even really talked about him yet. Uh, he was awesome tonight, I think. Um, didn't get tested a ton, but he made some really big, really timely saves. And that's what the Hurricanes haven't gotten lately. You know, you know, some of those goals that they allowed, you can't really put on Kochekov or Ranta. But at the same time, they're the kind of things that in the course of a game, sometimes you just need your goalie to make that save. And then some of the saves or some of the goals they allowed were just flat out bad. I mean, just goals that really yeah. can't allow. And at times that you really, really don't need, like just horrible timing, horrible goals. Yeah, particularly Kochekov right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened. Um because he he was making those big timely saves. Um, I think what we're realizing, Kochekov is one of the youngest goalies in the league. That's exactly. There's, I think one goalie younger than him right now, and that's Spencer Knight. Um, and most goalies don't break into the league until they're 24 or 25. How many times we've talked about this a million times, haven't we? And it's, it's kind of we were kind of preparing people for this to happen, right? And this was always yeah. a possibility. And I don't think he's he's definitely not as bad as he has been lately, but he's also probably not quite as good as he was showing earlier in the season. Like he was just really hot. The answer is somewhere in the middle. And yeah, I think that's fair. Knows. I think that's fair. And you know, like I think it's making us realize, like, yeah, Piotr's probably an NHL goalie for us next season. But he's not the guy this year. And what we're seeing is we needed Freddie to come back because we can't win games with an Anderson and Ronta pairing or a Kochetkov and Ronta pairing. It's, you know, it's possible to win a few, but when it comes to like a playoff series, I don't think, you know, that can happen. We saw that last year in the playoffs. Now, Anderson needs to stay healthy. Right. And needs to stop having these injuries where he takes 70 years to come back. That's where I was going to go next. I'm glad you brought this up because that's why this is like the most concerning thing to me about this team. Like, honestly, because if, if something does happen to Anderson again, you're in a spot where you are going to cross your fingers that Kochekov gets hot again, basically. And that's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And, you know, the Hurricanes made this gamble when they signed Anderson and Ronta, right? You know, they made that sign those signings knowing that in all likelihood both goalies would get hurt at some point. Right. And they have. Now, I, I think Kochetkov is more of a contingency plan than say like Alex Lyon was last year, but you know, he's still not a guy that yet. He's still not the guy that I am willing to put as my starter for the whole playoffs and feel good about it. He's close. And again, this time a year from now, like when we're sitting here January, whatever, 2024, it's possible that Kochekov's our starter. It really is. But, you know, right now, Anderson being healthy is the most important thing for this team. You've already got a good decor. You've got really solid forwards, and adding Pacioretty only makes the team better. Sure, you could stand at a depth defenseman, but how much is that really going to help you at the end of the day, right? The biggest thing for the team was getting Freddie healthy. Yeah. 
And I do think it raises an interesting question right now. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world for Piotr to head to Chicago. No, I, I think that's actually exactly what's going to happen. Um, let him feel the puck. Let him start every night and work through whatever this is, get back on track. And then if you need him later in the season, you got him. Well, that's what I'm saying. And Kane's fans are going to complain about it because Kane's fans complain about everything. <laughs> but, you know, the reality of the situation is you want a young goaltender to get starts. And if you're carrying three goalies on your NHL roster, he's not going to start. You know, he may start the occasional game, but you're going to want Frederick Anderson to get in a rhythm and you're going to want to rotate Ronta in. So if you want Kochekov to improve, send him down to Chicago. Right now, that Chicago team's getting better. They really aren't at nearly as bad as they were at the start of the year. Their defense has improved a lot. Um, They're scoring. They're just more cohesive as a group. And I think that's, you know, going to be a good environment for Kochekov to be in. So if the Hurricanes send him down, it's because they want the best for him and that they know more than we, the casual fans, do. All right, uh, before we move on, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network, so we are going to take just a few seconds to get a friend from our word. Get a friend from our words. Get a word from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff picture is locked in. The playoffs are finally here. And you know my go-to place for the wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and you'll get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why would you bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? This weekend, you got divisional clashes like the Seahawks and 49ers. Maybe not as exciting of a game as it would have been years ago, but that's a prime opportunity. You get another great divisional matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins without Tua. Smart money's on Josh Allen, right? Or how about my Duke guy, Daniel Jones, taking on the Minnesota Vikings, one of the flimsiest 13-win teams I've ever seen. I apologize to any Vikings fans out there. The opportunities are endless, so get over there to DraftKings Sportsbook. Make some money for yourself this weekend while you're watching football. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. And we're back, baby. We back. So, Brandon, I want to I want to talk to you about the defense. Obviously, tonight they factored in on five of the Hurricanes' six goals scoring. Actually, no, I should say they scored five of the Canes' six goals. Brett Pesci, probably with his best offensive game uh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jacob Slavin with a rocket of a shot. Chatfield with a beautiful shorthanded rush. And uh, Burns with a nice wraparound goal as well. Uh, Love that patient wraparound goal by Burns. Just outweighed uh, Corpusalo and tucked it. Those he's, nice. he's been trying to do that a couple times this season. And uh, tonight has worked. Um, but I really want to talk about, you know, the fact that the Canes are finally starting to get those contributions from the back end that they maybe weren't at the start of the year. Um, and what that could mean for the team going forward. I absolutely think that could be a big factor moving forward. Cause you look, I mean, look at Jacob Slavin. He's a great example. He had 42 points last year. Let's be forget. And most of them were assists, but he was a factor offensively, no matter how you slice it. 
And this year he had what entering tonight, two goals and nine assists, I believe like he's on less than half or I guess that's right about half the pace he was on last year. You know, it's that's on pace for about 20 points is what I'm getting at and failing to explain. But tonight he had a goal and an assist. That goal was an absolute bomb. Just straight up beat Corpus Allo, top corner off the bar and in. Um, and then he had an assist on top of that. So he's up to three goals and 10 po- or 13 points now in the season, which again is a modest number. But Slavin is a guy that, you know, he's not going to quarterback your power player, be a huge point producer or goal scorer, but he can factor in. Brady Shea, been doing it all year. Brett Pesci, he's actually on pace for a career high in points right now, little known fact. Um, and then obviously you've got Brent Burns, who is, if I'm not mistaken, on about a 50 something point pace. So, that has the potential to be a little bit of a dynamic factor for the hurricanes in the second half of the year, because I do think, you know, at least in Jacob Slavin's case, he's a guy that gets a lot of minutes for you. He can, and and Jalen Chatfield too, really, now that I think about it with his skating ability, he's shown the ability to jump up in the rush. He's only got, I think four points on the season with tonight's goal, but they have a chance to be a little bit more of a factor moving forward. And with the team improving, you're getting guys like Pacioretty back. Maybe we see Andre Kasha at some point. Maybe Seth Jarvis takes a step. Tabo Terabine is playing better. It's not outside the realm of possibility. This team by default is going to score more in the second half of the season. I mean, they're underperforming their expected goals by the biggest. They have their 32nd in the league in goals above expected. They're like minus 30. Like it's it's a pretty wide margin between them and number thirty one too. And they're what second in the league in overall standings, right? So like, there's a lot of arguments to be made that the Hurricanes have been unlucky to this juncture, and actually a pretty good one. And I think that stat they're never going to be like towards the top in that stat because of their style and the way they want to throw everything on net. I think by default that's going to put them kind of you know at a disadvantage in that statistic. But it can certainly be better than it has. There's too much talent for it not to. And then adding a sniper of Pacioretty's caliber will, by default, I think, help out as well. So I think with all those things happening, your defense just has more opportunities to score or to pick up points and to be offensively productive. So I think that could be a really big X factor in the second half of the season for the Hurricanes as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, the Hurricanes are getting luckier now because they've added a finisher. They've added Max Pacioretty to the lineup. And I think, you know, when you look at the expected goals and you realize how low the Canes are, it's because they don't have a finisher. They should be scoring more. They just don't have that guy that can bury these chances. And I think Jarvis uh, has been a bit snake bit this year. So that's a possibility. I think Kokaniemi has also underperformed goal wise. So, you know, there's room for improvement, but adding Pacioretty is going to make the team just score more whether it's him scoring or whether it's him setting players up um going back to the defense it's it's great seeing how much the hurricanes are doing right now so brent burns is currently on pace for about 55 or 56 points and that would be just slightly more points than he had last year with san jose Uh, he had 54 last year So that's a really good year from Burns. He's starting to score more too, which is, I think, you know, something that we wanted to see. Brett Pesci, or not Brett Pesci, excuse me. Um, Brady Shea is on pace for another really solid year. He's on pace to smash his career high of goals, which is nine. Um, But he's, he's also on pace for almost 40 points, which is really good for him. 
Uh, then we look at Pesci. Pesci is also on pace for a career year, like you said. Um, the rest of the defense is still struggling a little bit to produce, although Slavin, you know, has been better as of late. But when you look at DeHaan and Chatfield, that's not their role, right? But even then, Chatfield has three goals in his last 10 games. I'm looking forward to the end of the season. I think the Canes' resurgence in their defense is going to be a big deal for them because um, they need to score. And if the defense can contribute, I think they're going to go a long way. I do. There is just like one more kind of little thing I want to mention about the losing streak. And it is, I don't think it's majorly concerning, but it is something I at least want to point out here. I think the other big reason for this slide little bit they've had recently has been kind of a 180 from the stall line. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it because I mean, they're not known for being obviously the offensive guys, but the, you know when they were contributing offensively, that kind of coincided with the Hurricanes' best streak of the season, probably. Like when you start getting production from those guys on top of everybody else you have on this roster, you're really fucking hard to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this team has so much talent elsewhere that getting that from those guys too is just hugely. It makes the Hurricanes like impossible to defend, basically. Well. I feel like the last couple of games, Stahl just looks a little off to me, and that could just be me. And then Martinuk and Foss have both really been fighting the puck and turning it over a lot coming out of their own end. Um, Martinuk has seemed a step slow to react a couple of times, too, and a step unsure of himself in the defensive zone. As a matter of fact, if you go back to that New Jersey game, I pointed this out on Twitter. The Hurricanes go up 3-1, to one, minute left in the period. Rod puts the stall line out. Smart move, right? It's the right move. It's what you'd expect. Let them eat, you know, play defense, keep them off the puck. Um, hopefully you go into the third period with a two-nothing lead or a two-goal lead. And that's three to two goal. Martin Hook is is covering Dawson Mercer. He kind of carries carries him into the corner, and then he just kind of turns away from him. And Mercer walks out of the corner and tucks it. Kind of a soft goal, but like just a really weird defensive miscue by Martinuk. And then literally he left the stall line on the ice. They were really, really soft on their coverage when New Jersey was attacking. They kind of just gave them the blue line and they scored to tie it. And it's like, geez, man, like, I, I don't know. It, it's just been a little bit weird. And it's such a small sample size. It probably doesn't matter. But again, it's something I wanted to kind of throw out there and get your thoughts on and also just make a note of. That's all. Don't shoot me. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pow. <clears throat> no, um, I think the stall line has just regressed back to the mean a little bit. Even still, you need them to be better defensively. Just you do. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I think offensively, they've definitely regressed to the mean. Um, defensively, I think you know they're they're bound to have miscues every once in a while. And I think part of the reason why they weren't having any defensive miscues is because they were able to cycle the puck in the offensive zone and pretty much prevent the opposition from having those chances offensively. Right. That's all the um, why that they were so big during that stretch is because they were matching up with top lines for the opponent and keeping them in their own end the entire time. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm not trying to blame the New Jersey game on one guy because obviously it's a team game and – you know, you want to save from Piotr, but Dylan Coglin was directly responsible for two of those 
New Jersey goals. One of those, I think, was the goal where Martinuk was a little soft in the coverage. I think it's because he didn't expect Dylan Coglin to make an absolutely awful pass to outlet the zone, basically right to Mercer. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, so and I don't think I don't know if we're ever going to see him again. To be honest with you, yeah, I can't imagine we will. Um, Dehan has looked okay, and I think we're looking. We're probably going to add like a replacement defenseman to maybe put on that pairing, or to maybe rotate in because Coglin's obviously not it. Max Lajoie's not that bad, man. Lajoie's not an NHL player to me. Probably not, but I I feel like he's been better when he's been up than Coglin has. But that is a lower. But that doesn't make him good. (laughs) That's a low bar, like I said. (laughs) Like like. I love Kane's fans. I love you guys. Sometimes. Not every player that does well in the minors is going to be a good NHL player. Just because Max Lejoie is a good AHL defenseman does not mean that he's going to be the savior of the franchise. I know that's true, but I still think in a third pairing sheltered role, every time he's been up, he's been serviceable. You don't need him. to. Yes, but but if you're going to want to win a championship, you want something more than serviceable. So that's why I think the Canes look elsewhere. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, like the Canes aren't going to make a big splash at the deadline. Like we're, we're still like what a month, two months from the deadline. What about Bo Horvat, Matt? I would love for that to happen, but it's not realistic. I know. I'm sad, but you know, for call now, up, call up Jameson Reese and call it a day. He's basically Bo Horvath anyway. Mm, okay, <laughs> but yeah, for now, like you're gonna need to look at a player that, or for a player that can be more than just serviceable. And I think you know, Dehan Coglin, and to a lesser extent, Chatfield. I think. They've just been serviceable this year. So if you can find a way to upgrade on those guys, I think you look at it. Um, going back to the stall line, I think, you know, yes, Martinuk, Faust, and Stahl have not had their best games as of late, but I don't think they've been bad. They've just, I think just like the little miscues that they've made have wound up in the net because the Canes can't get a timely save. Yeah, it's a big part I of think- it. I think that's definitely a good part of it. Like you remember um, like when Justin Falk was here, right? Every mistake that Falk made wound up in the back of the net. And for the first little bit of Brady Shea's tenure as a hurricane. And Jake Gardner. Jake and Jake Gardner. That's who it was. Not, not Shea. Shea too. I think Shea was a good example too. But Gardner was the big one where, Every mistake that he made wound up in the back of the net. And part of it is because we couldn't get timely saves. And part of it is just because the mistakes were bad. So I think, you know, it's a little bit of both there. And I'm not really pushing the panic button because at this point, all three of those guys have played in a lot of NHL games. Like, so the reason I'm not worried about these three guys is because they're all legitimate NHL veterans at this point. You know, they know what it takes to play their game and they're going to Jordan Martinuk has 519 games under his belt. Jesper Faust is 10 games away from his 600th NHL game. And Jordan Stahl has played over a hundred or over a thousand NHL games. Like these guys know how to play. So I'm, 
I'm not worried. It's it's not like one of those things where if it was like a player like Seth Jarvis that was struggling this badly, where I'd be worried, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, but I, I just do think it's another thing. You know, I don't I'm not trying to put blame, but it's it's part of the reason they fell off a little bit to me, coinciding with the goaltending kind of imploding for a minute there. Um, it, it, you know, it's just a rough patch. Shit happens, yeah. right? Yep. So this next five game stretch for the Hurricanes has a pretty fair mix of teams. I'd say it's mostly good. Um, so it'll be another opportunity for the Canes to establish themselves as a top team in the league but to also gain some space over some of the other Metro teams. So obviously we got Pittsburgh on Saturday and then the Canucks on um, Sunday. You know, the Canucks are obviously struggling this year, but having them on a back-to-back just means that anything could happen in that game. Then you've got a really tough three-game stretch uh, where you face off against Minnesota, the Islanders, and then the uh, Stars. Yeah, Um, Stars are really good. Like, I... The only time they played the Hurricanes this year, I was actually at a concert. I remember I was trying to text you and Sterlow being like, give me updates because I had no damn service in that Coliseum. But uh, <laughs> I, I haven't actually gotten to watch them really like all year this year. And they're 25, 11 and seven. You know, Jason Robertson is one of the best players in the NHL, if one of the most underrated yes. for sure. Um, Rupi Hintz is really good. Pavelski still going strong at 38 now, I think. Um, Jamie Ben having a good year after a couple of down ones. Hayskinen's really blossoming into a number one defenseman. And then obviously they got Mason Marchment, former future Carolina hurricane. So <laughs> that's going to be a tough test. Uh, Jake Ottinger, another guy kind of hard to leave him out after what he's done the last, you know, since the playoffs last season, just a stud young goaltender. We know how the hurricanes have fared against those at times. So that's, that's one game in particular I'm really looking forward to. Obviously the hurricanes have already beat the penguins a couple of times this year. I feel like they've matched up with them really well. This game's at home. Uh, they need to take care of business in that one after letting that doubles game slip away. Um, that, that, that looks like a really big game. The hurricanes are back to up four points tonight with the devil's idol. They do play Anaheim tomorrow evening. So kind of like their odds in that one, although they are on the West coast. So who knows anything could happen, but uh, yeah, man, it, it's a really intriguing stretch because I, like you said, Vancouver is the only team that you're like, Oh yeah, the hurricanes will beat them. And then they'll leave Bo Horvat here with us. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, again, it's on a back-to-back after what's probably going to be an intense game against Pittsburgh. As a matter of fact, it's a five o'clock game on a back-to-back. So you got two games in 22 hours, um, which is always a tough task, no matter the opponent. Um, and then after that, they got four days off. They don't play again. That's, you know, Saturday, Sunday, back to back, and then don't play again until Minnesota, um, which has already beaten the Hurricanes this year. And we know how the Hurricanes are coming off long stretches sometimes. So we'll see. Uh, it's a big stretch. And then after that, they got back to back against two division teams in the Islanders and Stars are not in our division anymore. Whoops. Brain fart. No, and also that's <laughs> that's a whole four days in between. That's another four day in between? Yep. Thursday to twenty first and the twenty fifth. Oh shit! I'm looking. At, yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing. So yeah, damn, dude, we got a four day break, a game, a day off, a game, and then another four day break. So kind of what was that? Three games in twelve days or something like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a lot. And um, eleven, I think. But yeah, yeah, I'm looking. This is this next. Really, this whole month is going to be a good test for the Hurricanes. Yeah, because you got the Bruins around the corner, too. 
Yeah. And then you've got the Sharks and the Kings. And obviously, you know, those teams aren't doing the best this season, but you know, the Kings don't play the Western conference teams a lot. So those games are usually a crap shoot. Um, but it's exciting. We've got the stadium series. We're just, just a little over a month away from the stadium series. Um, Brandon, was there anything you want to talk about before we head out for the night? No, man, I just wanted to have one last shout out before we get out of here. Shout out to our guys over at the Kraken Pod. I'm sure they're partying tonight because Seattle shut out the Boston Bruins, giving them just their sixth loss of any sort on the season. Three to nothing in Boston tonight. So I know uh, Jeff and Joey are over there partying up a little bit. Ely Tolvin and man, I kind of wanted the Hurricanes to put a claim on him. He's well, like, they wouldn't have been able to, I think. I right. think the Kraken were behind or were ahead of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not way, but yeah, they were definitely ahead and uh, they wouldn't have gotten that chance. But he's got six points, four goals in seven games. So he's been quite the addition for them. Uh, the guy was a first round pick for a reason, mostly coming offensively and on the power play, but there's still talent in there if they can unlock it. But anyway, I just want to shout them out. Good for them. Fuck the Bruins. Always good to see them lose. So uh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's going going to Tolvin in real quick. It's really weird how teams give up on their top players very quickly. I don't get it. Awful job developing him. They did. And, you know, Tolvin doesn't play Nashville's style. Right. And John Hines is a tough coach to play for. You saw, I mean, you look at what, the perfect example is look at what New Jersey is doing without John Hines now. Right. Look at how their young players are playing. So there's something to be said about, you know, maybe it is John Hines that just can't work with the young talent because he couldn't turn Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and all these other players into stars. And yet now Jack freaking Hughes, like he's like one of the top five players in the league now. Yeah. So, all I'm saying is sometimes it is a coach's fault. You know, usually like when you fire a coach, it's not going to do too much, but yeah, John Hines is a bad coach. Yep. I'll, I'll say that with confidence. Don't want to dwell too much on other teams because obviously we are the center of the hockey universe here in Raleigh, Durham, Morrisville, North Carolina. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us this week. Get excited for Canes hockey because, folks, it is a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 